I'm Kendall Ratliff. I believe that you can change your life by trying one thing at a time. You can learn more at my website, tryonething.co, or by tuning in to the Help NSFW podcast. And I'm Johnny Fairplay, reality TV, well, a uh, survivor. And throughout my adventures, I've met a lot of interesting and motivating characters. Johnny and I made this podcast because we want you to unlock your full fucking potential. So whether you want to get a little more badass or a lot more badass, strap in. Join us here each week. It's Help NSFW. Hi, I'm Kendall. And I'm Johnny Fairplay. Welcome to Help NSFW. And very, very special guest this week. Uh, he's one of the, to me, one of the greatest survivors of all time. If you came here looking for a survivor podcast, uh, go check Reality NSFW. This ain't that podcast. <laughs> uh, I also consider him one of my uh, nearest and dearest friends, Lex Vandenberg. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Johnny and Kendall. I, I just, I really appreciate you guys inviting me to do this. And I think it's, um, I just kudos to you guys for um, taking the time to uh, host a podcast that actually is more than just about, you know, running our jaws off about all the stuff that we've done on TV or whatnot, but actually helping people. I think this is super cool. And I'm just, I feel honored that you guys would uh, would invite me to be part of it. Well, we are really good fucking people. Thank you for acknowledging that. Out the gate. <laughs> this, this is Kendall's uh, fault. <laughs> this, this, this is so off brand for me to be. <laughs> I love you are Johnny. You are pushing the envelope and and really stretching your muscles in in ways that they've never been stretched. I'm sure it result. It's the result has been a lot of soreness on your this, end because this is, this is so sore. This is uh, is yoga esque. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to say that those muscles have atrophied in you. They just never existed until now. <laughs> so, so Lex, I, you know, I, I say we're not going to talk Survivor, and uh, we're not. Um, Thank let's, you. Uh, let's go back. Uh, Lex Vandenberg, prior to the, the television escapades that a lot of you may be familiar with, you were in a band. And take, take us uh, uh, Maids of Honor, for those uh, that, that like mm. to look it up, uh, really – awesome band you might have heard them on a, a tv show here and there in the in the background or maybe you bought their album maybe you called them on on tour you know possibly opening up for you know uh red hot chili peppers you name it they've they've, they've toured with a lot of people you know name some of those please but how did how did you start uh your, your band like you know what led you to become a drummer well i mean you know i've the the life life of a musician is something that that was always even as a kid that was always the dream gig for me um you know where some some you know kids aspired a lot of kids aspired to be firefighters and astronauts and whatnot for me it was always i want to be a rock star and um and so you know in high school i just uh, me and a bunch of friends we just we took up instruments and decided well you know, let's just do this um which these days is really common like you know my uh, my younger son is in is in a couple bands and he's already toured the, the country extensively that kind of thing happens all the time now but back then it wasn't as common and um and so i eventually found my way to a band um a band that was uh we called ourselves the frontier fucking wives um and and that was uh that band, I spent, I, I was in that band for about 11 years. That was, that was at that time, the band that was, that I was going to try to kind of break, break big with and, and somehow form, you know, a career that would eventually, you know, take me and last a lifetime in music. 
um, we did we did pretty we did pretty well. We we had a number of releases. We played um, just literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows, if not thousands of shows. Um, we toured coast to coast um, several times. Uh, sometimes for uh, seven eight weeks at a stint. We had one one uh, tour that was I think it was forty five days and forty forty two shows. Um, Back then, we also used to tour extensively with a band called Dash Rip Rock out of New Orleans. They're actually still around, and they've been they've been doing it full time. Well, now for probably about forty years. Um, but those, yeah, those days, Johnny, as you mentioned, we had you know we 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 were fortunate um, to be able to play with some of the greatest bands out of the out of the eighties and nineties. I mean, like you said, we toured with the Chili Peppers. We played with. Um, the Butthole Surfers, uh, Meat Puppets, um, Stray Cats. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. So the Violent Femmes. We we just we had we had a really large time. And you know, for me, um, I was really fortunate at the time that I was doing a lot of touring. That I had at that point already met and was dating my wife, my now wife Kelly. We've been together now. Well, we've been married almost thirty years. We've been together. God, just about 35 years. And um, and so back then, every time I hit the road for six or seven weeks, um, all I needed to do is <laughs> my wife and I, we, we lived together. She, you know, she lived in this kind of big flop house that I lived in with a bunch of musicians. And when I left, I she was she was my savior. She would take care of my dog, she'd pay my bills and um and take care of everything while I was away. And, and that worked out. I mean, it, it worked out swimmingly for 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 a few years. And but eventually, you know, the uh, as glamorous as the life of a traveling musician can be, the uh, the life of um, his lady who has to stay home and deal with all all of the real reality. There's nothing glamorous about it at all. And I know that she was getting more and more ready. And when I say ready, I mean, she was ready to kick my ass to the curb if I didn't put a ring on it pretty quick. Yeah, fair enough. And, and, and so, you know, to her credit, um, you know, she, she, uh, she rattled me enough to, to bring me to my senses. Um, that happened. And then of course, you know, the next logical step is we found ourselves pregnant. So <laughs> that, um, that, forced me in a position to have to kind of rethink my, all of my priorities, which, you know, obviously meant that being on the road for months out of the year was probably not, you know, not the best along with kind of the unhealthy lifestyle that, that naturally comes with being, you know, a traveling um, performing musician. So, um, so I, I kind of, I ratcheted down my, my music schedule and turned it into more of a really um, fun and uh, and busy hobby uh, and then got a real job um, because I had kids on the way. And next thing you know, I had two kids. Um, and and so f- since that time, I mean, I've never stopped playing music. Music will always be, you know, I'm, I'm just a, to my core, my, my, the stuff that makes me most who I am is, is my creativity. And, you know, and, and the way that I express that is through music. Um, so I've never, I've never actually not played music. The only, the only time probably in my lifetime that I haven't um, has been this past year under pandemic lockdown because it just hasn't been safe for me to play with, to play with other musicians. So I've, I've been on a bit of a hiatus, which is about to, which is about to change. Thank God. Um, but I'm now, I'm actually now in three different bands. And Johnny, you mentioned one of them, Maids of Honor. Um, if anyone's interested in checking that out, I think. 
I don't have the, I don't know the, the link offhand, but we have a, we have a SoundCloud um, and most all of the music we've ever released is up there for free download. So check that out, download it for free. Um, we're, uh, we're up on Spotify as well. And then I'm also, so that, that's kind of a rock and roll, kind of punk rock, rock and roll band. Um, one of the guys in the band that, that you guys may know is uh, Greg Camp, who used to be in Smash Mouth. Um, he's an old, old friend of mine back from, you know, the old school days. We grew up in the same neighborhood and whatnot. And, um, and he, uh, he's the guy that wrote all the hits. He wrote All Star. He wrote Walking on the Sun, all that stuff. So he's one of the guys uh, in the band. Um, then I'm also in, a, uh, in a, an all instrumental surf band called Fascinating Creatures of the Deep. Um, and we actually, uh, a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, we, um, we were lucky enough to be invited to, uh, to tour Italy um, and play at the largest surf music festival in the world, which was just absolutely spectacular. The stage was set up, it was in Livorno, and the stage was literally set up outside. And my view from Drum Riser was the Mediterranean Sea as the sun, as the sun set on the Mediterranean Sea. It was just mind blowing. Um, and then the third band I'm in is, a, uh, is kind of a, a, a fun, San Francisco-based uh, kind of cover band, sort of super band called uh, the Lawn Vultures, um, and a number of uh, a number of kind of renowned uh, musicians in that band. Myself, I wouldn't count myself in that group. I'm lucky to be with these guys. But um, one of the guys, our one of our guitarists, name is Merv. He's played with Buckethead. He's played with Primus. Um, and so you know, I I I kind of, I. I fly with the eagles <laughs> not the vultures but i feel like i'm flying with the eagles in the uh, in the lawn vultures so yeah That's music fantastic. forever so you haven't had a chance to play all together in a year what are your feelings about going back getting back together getting all the bands back together it i mean it can't it can't happen quick enough you know for me playing music that's that's my therapy um, it's what, it's what keeps me happy. It's what, it's what keep, keeps me sane. <clears throat> it's, it's probably, you know, that's a lot of my exercise. It's, it's just, you know, I get my cardio and whatnot, I'm just playing drums several days a week. And, um, and just in the camaraderie of being with all my bandmates, you know, all the bands I'm in are people that I've been <clears throat> super, super close friends with for many, many years. Um, so that was, you know, it's been, it's been, uh, it's just added another kind of layer of sort of challenge to just you know life under lockdown um mm. simply because i haven't been able to you know express myself creatively um or do the thing that makes me happiest um and you know the thing is it's you know if you play guitar or if you know you play piano or a melodic instrument it's you can still it's it's still quite a bit of fun to just play on your own you know by yourself at home but um I've never, I've, I've never really gotten very much joy in playing drums without music, without other musicians. Um, it's just not, it's just not my thing. So I've, I have literally, I, I put all of my, all of my drum gear. I, I broke it down, and I have not, I've not lifted a pair of sticks in um, a year and three months. So I cannot wait to get back to it. It's, I'm chomping at the bit. Is any part of you nervous? Nah, I mean, you know, I I think um, you know, it's not it's it's uh, it's a lot like riding a bike. I mean, not to say I won't be rusty, but um, I'm way more excited than I am nervous about it. And you know, it, yeah, if we had 
if you, if any of my bands had a gig book next week, I might be, I might be a little bit more nervous. But um, but you know, we're setting ourselves up for success. We'll be, we'll be gigging before you know it, but we'll have plenty of ramp time to to get everything solid again. I love that phrase, setting yourself up for success. Absolutely. What's your what's your attitude towards fucking up? Like if you drop a stick <laughs> in the middle of a set or um, if you mess up, how does that affect you? How do you roll on from it? I mean, you, you act like you meant to do it. <laughs> or, <laughs> I, do, you know, I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. That one's or, the fans. Or, that, or, stick or, down, if, that drum stick there on the floor. Right. Or, or if the fuck up is, is so severe that there's no faking it, um, I think you got to laugh at yourself and just, and just move on. It's, you know, it's all good. It's like, you know, when we're playing music, it's not like we're saving babies' lives. We're, we're not, mm -hmm. you know, we're not pulling people out of burning buildings. It's, mm -hmm. it's you know, if it's perfect, I mean, who wants to see a perfect show? When I when I go to see live live entertainment and live music, I go to see the fuck ups. That's what makes that's what make those makes those musicians human. Um, if I want a perfect performance, I can just sit at home and save that forty or sixty or a hundred dollars, and I can listen to the I can listen to the records. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, that's the that's the beauty of seeing the live shows. You're gonna see you're gonna see these these people that you've idolized and, and that you've spent hundreds of hours listening to their to their craft, but you're gonna see them as human beings. You're gonna see them, you know, sometimes fucking up, sometimes, you know, flipping the script and changing some things around. Um, and you're gonna, you're gonna see everything warts and all. And I think that's what makes it, you know, uniquely beautiful. Yeah, like Stone Temple Pilots is one of my favorite bands ever. And, like, mm -hmm. and, and Scott Weiland and the DeLeo brothers, they, they, they publicly and privately feuded and I got tickets to see them in Greensboro. And, and I was just hoping for just an on-stage fight because they did that. And on more than one occasion, they would fight on stage. A throwdown, yes. I, I saw a perfect concert. I was like, oh, as you said, I'm like, I got this shit at home. I don't, right. like, this isn't what I painted. Like, you know, it was, it was like, you know, everyone was happy. It sounded just like the CD. I was like, oh. Why go out? Why pay so, for shitty beer in that? And the meat puppets opened up. Oh my god! Yeah, what a great, what a great lineup that was. Yeah, we really used cool. we used to play with them. We played with them all the time. Every time they they rolled through, you know, town, San Francisco, or San Jose, we were always the ones that they would, you know, just tag onto the show because we we were a really good fit with them. Um, we used to do uh, the Dead Milkmen as well. Um, and uh, but yeah, the meat puppets, God, they such such legends, and I'm glad to see they're still around because God knows they, there there were a number of times where they they should have crashed and burned. They they were their own worst enemies. Did did you see Cracker with me at a uh... which one would that have been? Oh my God, yeah, I did. The yeah. the, uh, the 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 guy in the mm. yeah we uh we yeah. got our tickets couldn't from... prove it in court, but yes, I saw it. We 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 got our tickets from Lex's wife. Oh, yeah, thanks for us. Yeah, yeah, those those um those those dudes are old old friends of mine. Be before they were Cracker, they were Camper Van Beethoven, or a few of the members were, um, David Lowry especially, and um, my old band, The Frontier Fucking Wise. We were playing with Camper back in the eighties. Uh, again, we, we they're the ones that actually hooked us up with all of our contacts when we booked our very first tour. Because back in the 80s, there was no internet. There was, you know, if you wanted to, if as a band, you wanted to book a tour, um, the process was m just mind-numbingly difficult. You had to go to your local library. You had to 
find you have to find all of the the periodicals, the newspapers, especially like the music newspapers and whatnot from each of the cities that you wanted to travel to. You had to look up and find an ad for the club or the bar. You wrote down the telephone number. You'd have to call that bar and tell them that you that you're planning a tour and you want them to book you. Then they would give you an address. You would have to send them a cassette in the mail because they won't hire you unless they get to hear what you sound like. So you'd send them a cassette in the mail, you'd wait a few weeks, you'd have to book your tour six months ahead of time. And, and, and you know, it would take literally months to book these tours. So instead of that, you know, we were playing so much with the uh, Camper Van Beethoven that um, the boys in the band, they, we, we were friends, we got along great, we'd help each other when we'd be playing in each other's hometowns. And we told them, yeah, we want a tour. And they and they brought out like their Bible. They had they had spent the last few years literally taking notes and, and it was like a phone book with all the all the clubs from coast to coast, oh, every so state. Funny. It had the phone number of the club, the person, the name of the person that booked at that club. And so we could just sit there and just say, Yeah, Camper, you know, referred us and we're gonna send you a cassette. And it cut our time down by weeks of research. So, yeah, those guys. We still play with. We still play with Cracker all the time. They're they're very good friends and very good dudes. All of this stuff about the different bands that you're in, and then the different bands that y'all have worked with, it just makes me think of interpersonal dynamics. Uh, it sounds like there are so many opportunities for miscommunication and blow-ups. It it, it is energy. Yeah, on and how that's people the, handle their shit. That's the thing, you know, you realize when you're in this, you know, when you're in this kind of extended gigantic community of musicians, it, it is a community, it's like a giant tribe. And okay. um, the ones the ones that are, you know, the, the good ones out there, and the, it's obvious who they are pretty quick, they help each other. And it's it's all about, you know, the, the kind of the ethos of, of music, especially when you're an indie band and you're trying to eke out a living and you're trying to grow your, your you know, your audience base, is you've got to do, if you don't have a label that can take care of promoting you and booking you and you know all of the you know networking for you, it's the ethos of indie music has always been DIY. You got to, you know, do it your fucking self. And, um, and wow. but that's where community comes in because there's this wealth. If you're a good, if you're a good person and, and you're a, you know, you're helpful in that community, there are, thousands of other musicians that will help you as well. So yeah. everybody helps everybody else, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a beautiful way to be. The more people I meet in different fields, the deeper you go in your profession, it just feels like the world is so fucking small. So like really totally. watch yourself and don't burn bridges because it doesn't matter if you're leaving a job in small town, New England and going to Arizona, you're probably two degrees of separation away. It's incredible, um, just that simple, that simple life rule of just be kind. It's amazing that the return on investment that you can get from being kind. And you know, some people think, well, be kind, but that's not cool. How could you be cool and be kind? No, being kind is the coolest thing of all. And you could totally be cool and be kind. You can be dangerous and be kind. You can be, you know, but the kindness should always be part of, you know, part of the fabric of, of, you know, of who you are and, and how you, you know, relate with other, with other human beings, because it will always come back. And if you, if you're the opposite, if, if you're a dick or if you're an asshole, um, it will come back too. It'll, it'll come back in spades. So if you're kind, you're going to get the kindness in return. It always works that way. If you're a dick, 
the world will be a dick back at you. You swing that dick out there, it's eventually mm. going to flop back at you. <laughs> you better you better swing it for good. Don't swing it for evil. One of those detachable dicks. Better not be a boomerang. <laughs> but, you know, I can't prove that it's cool, but I don't know a single heterosexual female that's seeing a tough-looking guy either be kind to, like, a child or a small animal. Oh, my gosh. Like, Blood City. <laughs> Women oh. love that. They, <laughs> City they, they love it so hard. <laughs> Like, no, you're right. You're right. But women they, who don't want children, they see a man being cool with a kid. They're just like, oh, you're a fucking nurturer. God damn and it. It's, and it's especially when it's the unexpected, when the guy looks like, you know, he looks oh. dangerous. All of a sudden, that's Contrast. where, yeah, it's it's all over. You, It's like a secret weapon. It, it's so funny. Like when I first met Lex, I mean, like Lex's you know moniker was the punk rock dad and you know and, and i saw him and i was just like this is my kind of guy you know yeah. like like you know he might punch me in the face but you know i like yeah, and, it's fun though and i don't even i don't even remember if it was before or after i met I, I, it might have been right after anyway every single birthday from 2004 till now the first phone call i get is from lex vandenberg oh wow every single birthday and and we actually, a few of the survivors, we 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 made fun in in a kind way. We're just like, what do you think? Way. <laughs> what do you think Lex's bedroom looks like? You think there's just this, like beautiful mind with with a chart, like with all these strings and just like you know you know Rob C's birthday is this and, and you know? <laughs> so it was just so cozy. like we would call other survivors just like, did Lex call you for your birthday? It's like, yes. And then the ones that he didn't, it's like, Ooh, oh, wow. Yeah. You're on the naughty list. Well, you're an asshole. <laughs> Lex someone call you. There's the karma. So, but now, right. now Facebook's fucked up is, 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 uh, is, is over because you know, you can just press a button, but it used to every, everybody knows whose birthday is when now it's no law. It's no longer my, um, you know, my little, my, my secret weapon no more. Yeah. You know what I think is a good secret weapon? know people's parents names uh -huh. if i guess it's people younger than you know their kids names or if they don't have a partner know their best friends names i don't know if you know like whoever you care about if you know one degree away from them their special people's names you can be like how is valerie oh yeah no oh. you know and just just the you know what seems so simple but to me has always been ridiculously hard is just remembering people's names Period. Oh, that's yeah. true. I've I've always yeah. had an issue with that, and you know, people love to hear their own their own names. It makes it, it makes them feel instantly like more connected to you. Um, but when oh my God, I I have I have to practice names because I I forget them as soon as they go in one year and write out the other. So that's something I'm constantly kind of working on, being doing better. At. Lex and I were talking uh, a few months ago, so like. Uh, we we've led similar lives in in that what reality television did for us post reality television mm. with with the fame like like he was mm -hmm. there and and the 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 hotness of survivor and and i i caught the tail end still on the hot train but you know and the, mm. but then like soon after big dip and we both got to do this uh, tour of uh, of australia um, in which we did their version of Comic-Con and he did it the year before me. Mm -hmm. And during a three day stretch, we had 80,000 people come through and were mm -hmm. like, hi, I'm Billy. Hi, I'm Chuck. Hi, I'm Steven. Hi. And, you know, and each one you're, you're facially connecting. 
hearing, accepting this name so much so yeah. that you're writing it on a on a you know an eight by ten glossy <laughs> and handing it back. Well, eighty thousand people shoving that into your head. There's only so much. Like like we're of the firm belief that it's pushing stuff out. Yeah. No, I I I, I firmly believe that those those years around Survivor, I had and like Johnny, I had so many just kind of mind-blowing experiences. I met so many tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of people over a span of about a decade to where there was still all this stuff going on, whether it be charity events or, you know, traveling on these like tours, like Johnny was mentioning, all the people that I've met, I feel like it actually, um, the, uh, the sacrifice that we all made was, we had such an influx of new experiences and new data that um, it naturally, it's like your brain is a hard drive. In my mind, it's I equate it with like a hard drive. There's only so many terabytes of space in there. And I feel like there's, when I try to remember, like just to recall old memories, whether it be childhood or high school or college or any, a lot of that stuff, I have trouble now accessing because oh, wow. I, feel, I feel like all this other stuff, A, was just kind of bombarding my brain and my senses to where a lot of other stuff just got foggy. And some of it, as it was retained, I feel like my brain had to pitch stuff, like jettison stuff overboard to make room for the new stuff. So Grandma's it's birthday, just, it's, bye. yeah, it's a really weird, it's, a, it's I, I'd be curious to know, because Johnny says he can totally relate to it. And I'm, I'm wondering how many other people kind of like us, Johnny, have had that same experience to where they can honestly say that they feel that some of their memories have been, if not erased, have been like, um, put in some kind of basement somewhere where we can't just retrieve those memories. Maybe they'll it's come a, one day I, if there's like, if there's trauma, maybe <laughs> I'll remember. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of good stuff that we can't get to because of all that, that that's just not in the cachet. Right. That's so interesting. So short term, that makes me think like if I'm not managing my, um, managing my emotions and stuff well throughout the day, you know, I will, I'll have an early crash, but if I build like transition time between activities, time to just breathe and be quiet for a few minutes, like I can really get further in the day, but that's a, that's a short-term thing, not a like multi-year thing, what y'all yeah. are talking about. Yeah. It's, 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 it's frightening. It's sad. I mean, as I said, you know, like, like, you know, I've thought about it and Lex has independently thought about it. And then we just happen to, to have this conversation, exchange notes. And, you know, I both ready to cry together. <laughs> well, it makes me wonder if psychedelics would do something. There's a lot of studies now on psych. They're doing a lot of studying scientifically of psychedelics to see if it can be a better mode of treatment for people who've experienced trauma. Um, I'm all about that. Totally all about that. I just hope that that the requirement for that to work is not that you haven't done them in the past because I've, I've not only broken the seal on that stuff, I kind of... You're just in a different I, test group. I consider myself a bit of a professional cos, cosmic cosmonaut or what would you call it? A uh, psychonaut myself. Well, Big big Toms will uh, we'll prove this theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. All right, so... We uh we just we discussed the the band thing. Uh, you you kind of took a, a back you know move the the band to the uh um to the peripheral because you did have a family. 
and uh, yes. yeah, you have uh, you have two wonderful boys. And uh, I've I've uh, I don't think I've ever met River. I've I've, I've met Corbin multiple times at, at Big Tom's you've, farm. You you've met River, but you probably met him when he was younger. I know that you you definitely met him at the All Star finale. Okay, he was that he was there. But back then he was you know River for at that point River couldn't have been older than like maybe eight. Okay, okay. Um, you know he's he's twenty seven now. So yeah, and, um, and I, Cor Corbin's twenty nine. The the partner vinyl is right there behind me. Nice, nice. Yes, so. <laughs> that's that's my boy's band. Yes. Sweet. So check check out a uh, partner. Uh, Rolling Stone has a hard on for them right now, and that's, that's not right. a bad uh, bad bad set of people to have a hard on for. Not a bad set of people to have swing their dick at you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so so but uh, but let's talk about uh, raising uh, these two boys. Um, yeah. You know, like going from you know the you know the 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 punk rock uh drummer guy to dad you know it it's it wasn't as easy as just becoming a dad well i mean to be honest the transition was it did feel super easy i felt like i mean it's you know when when you have before you have your first kid it's it's um it's terrifying to say the least and and i'll i'll never forget when um when when corbin my first my first son was born when when my wife and I, when she left the hospital and, and I had that baby seat in the car and they, and the, the nurse handed me Corbin and I, and I, and the, the door, I remember Kelly closing the door to the car and then it was just the three of us in the car alone. And I was like, what the fuck are we going to do? <laughs> this, I'm, it, we were both like terrified. And I'm like, he doesn't come with a, with a user manual. Like what, how do, what do we do? We don't have nurses to say, Hey, what do we do here? What? It's just us. Um, it felt terrifying for a, for a, a hot minute, but then, but you know, Johnny, it, it all, we were all hardwired biologically to do this. And all of a sudden I felt like, fuck, this is, this is the job I was always, I was born to do. You know, it felt that doesn't mean it's easy. I mean, obviously, you know, being a parent has, you know, a lifetime of challenges that you just, you either meet or you, you know, or fail at. Um, hopefully, you you meet the challenges, but um, but no, for me, it's there is nothing in nothing in my life has given me more joy, or made me feel more, um, like I, I am I'm doing everything that I was meant to do more than being a parent. That's you know I I have that that is my it's they are my two boys are my greatest masterpieces. They are. The the reason I think I was put on this earth was to was to you know to have them and to help them to be the best you know human beings and they could that they can be um, and and it was you know and it, but yeah it what it, it did come with its set of challenges you know early on uh, it became apparent to us that my my older son Corbin was not like all the other kids and uh, you know back then it was well this would have been twenty. 26 years ago, um, it's amazing how much progress has been made in the last couple, three decades in terms of what we all know about um, different conditions. And, you know, back then we didn't know what was going on. We just knew that he was exhibiting kind of signs that he wasn't like all the other kids in terms of how, how he interacted socially, how quickly or how slowly he was to... Um, to, to begin speaking in sentences and using words. Um, there were a number of little kind of clues, but we didn't know what it, what it was. Yeah. And so we the actually- one, You wouldn't have much context. 
we didn't. We had no context. But it, the only context we had was like some of our other friends had kids, and we'd see, you know, and we used other kids as kind of, you know, kind of examples or samples of what, you know, what maybe we considered, you know, in air quotes, normal to be. Um, and at the time, we, I mean, we were we were dirt poor. Um, you know, my my wife, my wife and I, we we had very little money, but we saved everything we had, and we um, we took our boy to be evaluated at Stanford. Um, which was, you know, one of one of the country's top, um, you know, hospitals and universities, and they checked him out and and ran extensive tests. We went back and forth for weeks, and their initial um, prognosis was that he was mentally retarded. And I was like, mm, no, you guys may be the best minds in this country, but you're dead wrong on this. I know you're wrong. And and at that time, to her credit, my wife Kelly, she she knew we we both knew that. Um, we were not going to find the help we needed in in any kind of traditional way because um, it became obvious that well, science wasn't there yet, and 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 a lot of people didn't know what what was what, and so she took it on herself um, to read every single book that seemed to resonate, and and sh she followed like like Sherlock Holmes, she followed a breadcrumb trail to try to kind of you know take this black box and open it up and figure out, you know, what was, what was, what was going on with our boy. And, um, we, we, uh, she, she eventually said, you know, I think our boy is, is autistic. He's on the, he's on the autism spectrum. And, um, and we went back to Stanford and they, and they said, yeah, you know what? I, you might How be right. You mention it? <laughs> and, and here we are, you know, my, my wife, my wife didn't, she didn't even go to college, but she's smarter than all of those, all of those, <laughs> PhD, MD, you know, all of these doctorates, um, she figured it out. And, um, and from that point on, since, you know, we knew what we were, what we kind of were working with, um, you know, we then tried, we, you know, we dedicated ourselves. And this is where, you know, to your point, Johnny, not everything in being a parent is easy. And that was definitely not easy. And there were some very, very, very tough and very dark years because, you know, as Corbin got older, when he was, um, you know, a, a you know when he started, um, when he became an adolescent, and whatnot, he had some extremely difficult times with depression. Um, there was there there were times where, you know, there there were some some years, um, especially right around Survivor, which has been my only the only thing that that might that I might uh, categorize as a minor, as a mild regret of having done Survivor, but it was very, very tough for my boy Corbin um, because it, it upended his whole reality and his, and everything that he, you know, he needed people on the autistic spectrum. They crave um, routine and they want to, they need to know like what everything they need to know, like what's happening today, tomorrow, next week, next month. And Survivor is all, of, it's the opposite of that. It's your world is thrown into complete and utter fucking anarchy for months or years. And, um, and he, was, he, was, he was suicidal for a while and we had to have him on constant suicide watch. And um, these were things that were very difficult, but long story short, my wife and I, and especially my wife, um, because I was working and she was stay-at-home mom, she dedicated every bit of her heart and soul to making sure that he, all opportunities were open to Corbin and that he um, had, he could live his best life and be the best version of himself that he could be. And we learned pretty quickly that, um, you know, 
people call, you know, autistic people like people with, you know, people with special needs or um, challenged or, and you know what, it's not, it's not the case at all. I mean, in my mind, they are, they are, they're different, but I feel like they're enhanced and they have superpowers that we, that we don't have us normal people. Um, there are things that they're capable of that we couldn't even aspire, you know, to do. There was a, there was a time um, when my, when my boy was, one of his obsessions was the Titanic. And there was a time where he could name, I think, how many passengers are on the Titanic? It's like 3,200 or something. He could name them all. Right. He could name all, he could name every single one of those passengers. And we went to a Titanic exhibit once. And when you went through this exhibit, at the end of it, they would have on the wall, there was a, all the list of names. And it talked and it said who had survived and who was deceased. And when you went into this Titanic exhibit, you had your, your ticket was a unique ticket and it had it had the name of one of the passengers on it. And at the end of the exhibit, you'd go to this wall and you'd see if you survived or if you died. And Corbin, who knew everybody by name and knew and knew who lived and who died, he positioned himself where these people were coming out and he said, Hey, can I see your card? Oh, you're dead. See your card? Amazing. <laughs> and, and then and these I'm people were like, there's no way you can do that. And they'd go up to the wall and they'd say, my God, that kid was right. And he just sat there. It was like it was like a parlor trick, like a magic trick. And he was just like, yep, dead, dead, alive, dead. Because <laughs> he knew all of them. I mean, the, these are things, their minds, you know, the mind of an autistic person is a miraculously wondrous thing. Um, and that's why I've always, I've always felt like, and you know, Corbin's all, he's all also always said, you know, I don't, I don't want to be fixed. I'm, I don't want to be cured. This isn't, this is not a disease. I just want the world, you know, to accept me for who I am yeah. and, and to give me the opportunities that, you know, that we all deserve. Right. Um, I, I almost feel that, uh, that autism is, I've had this theory that, um, there's certain things about autistic, autistic people that, um, that some people may not know about, but this world that we now live in of technology mm -hmm. is perfectly set up for autistic people. They are quick learners. They do not feel as comfortable face-to-face -face socially. The interaction, the social interaction of kind of face-to-face -face touching and all that mm -hmm. is, is typically um, is off-putting to them. Yeah. But email, text, social media, they were built for this. And so I've always I've always wondered if um these you know because there there all there's also a theory that there are more more and more autistic people, mm -hmm. um, and some people believe it's because we didn't know how to diagnose autism before and they've always been around. Some people believe that there are actually more autistic people now than there were fifty a hundred years ago. I almost feel like how how odd would it be if this onset of like increased autistic people if it was just a preview into how we as a species are evolving mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that somehow this group of people they've learned how to unlock you know they say that we only use five or ten percent of our brain i feel like they're using maybe 25 percent of their brain because they can do all these incredible things yeah. what if what if they are the next evolution in humankind Wow. I've heard I've heard stranger things, and I feel like you know that maybe in two hundred years, everyone will be 
what now we're looking at and saying, hmm, autism. I don't know. Um, how old is your son? He's 29. He just turned 29 last month. Okay. Um, I like any theory that just shows people that we think don't fit into a box. Well, maybe in the future or maybe in the past, there were different boxes. Um, I read a book about ADHD, which I have, and that's been a struggle in my life. And if you take the what's wrong with having ADHD and you put it into an act of hunter gatherer context. Oh my gosh. Mm. Someone who can hyper focus for hours. Totally. Super helpful. They're going to find all the berries. Yep, um, yep. And I think same thing with autism spectrum, you know, maybe in an earlier time in life when we, our day-to-day activities were really, really different. We, we would have had more of an understanding of um, what an asset someone with, with autism can be. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a great way to look at it. And I mean, Johnny, there's one thing you and I know about. It's it's not fitting in boxes. <laughs> they, they never made boxes for us. Yeah. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, I think that's a good thing. Um, my oldest brother has autism as well, autism spectrum disorder. And so it's definitely, it's a really, uh, I resonate with a lot of what you're saying, including the not always getting the best insight from medical professionals. Um, you mentioned how hard it was for your family at different points. Do you have any recollection of people saying shitty things to you under the guise of being helpful or comforting? Oh, I mean, all the time. Yeah. yeah. All the time for sure. And especially when it comes to, you know, my, you know, my son, mm-hmm. people sometimes, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, what, what people will say, you know, and you can tell that they haven't really, they haven't really thought thought it through, yeah. um, and they've especially not thought about, um, you know, whenever you, you know, whenever you're going to throw something profound at someone, I think you you, you owe it to that person to think about uh, to instantly kind of flip the table and put yourself in in their mind. Yeah. How will that How will that sound? What you know? It's it's uh, it's it's you know you can't you know you can tell when people are just basically barfing something you know essentially barfing something at a, at a brick wall rather than, mm-hmm. you know, thinking first and thinking, okay, this is, I'm saying this to a person and this is a profound thing that I'm saying that, you know, will certainly uh, elicit a, an emotional response. And, you know, and people that are kind of in a vacuum probably think it's going to be a good response, but don't even think about the fact that what they've, you know, what they've said could be interpreted quite the opposite. Yeah, I think whenever you're talking to someone who is going through something big that you've never been through, maybe just constantly say to yourself, it's not about me. Not yeah. About me. And it's not about me. And, and acknowledge, you know, I, these days, especially this year, especially um, with all that's happened, well, pandemic lockdown, but all that happened since George, George Floyd's murder. And this, you know, in my mind, an extremely important rise in the Black Lives Matter movement. Also, have to acknowledge, you know, we are all. This is Pride Month, and there's an enormous, you know, community of LGBTQ people um, out there. And you know, and we, it is so important for, for all of us, especially, you know, I'm talking about myself right now as a cis male, cis white male. Mm-hmm. I, it's important for us to acknowledge that we don't know everything, and that we, and that we are quite possibly ignorant about. You know, the experience of what it must be to be, you know, a young black person in America or 
a trans person or someone who's gay or all of these different things. And, and those, and that's just scratching the surface. There's also, you know, we've talked about, you know, autism. We, there, I've, I've, I've been a card carrying feminist since I was a kid. Um, you know, for me, you know, again, it's like, I cannot pretend to know what it's like to be a woman. I can do my best to learn and be a better person by educating myself, but I will never, I will never know all the things. <clears throat> and that's, a, that's, I think it's always a good place to start, especially when you're laying out, you know, some pretty profound stuff on someone. It's like, really, you gotta, you've got to first acknowledge that I don't know, I don't, I'm not you. And I, I cannot pretend to know what it would be to walk in your shoes, but I'm going to try my, I'm going to try my damnedest. Um, because that's where, that's where connection starts. And that's where, you know, kindness starts. And that's where, um, you know, the world, the world would be such a better place if, um, if people just took that point of view more frequently. And if you need a, a quick reference guide listeners, I would say, take the phrase, God never gives you more than you can handle. Just, just take that out of your vocabulary. Um, yep. or, you know, as soon as you, you feel yourself wanting to say that, why don't you pray to God that God give you what you think that other person is handling just fine, or just like volunteer to help them for an hour a week and, and, you know, be in their home for a little bit, helping with whatever shit is difficult. And then see, yeah. you still feel like saying, Oh, God never gives you more than you can handle. Yeah. And ask, ask, ask them, you know, ask them to share their stories with you yeah. and listen and listen, you know, don't, don't talk back, you know, just listen. I would say for me, when I've been suffering, I've never been wanting the person listening to me to prove anything. I've really just wanted them to shut up and like, let me right. get it out. Yep. yep. Not occasionally. So I know I can keep talking. That's good enough. It's very true with you. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah. Learned, I've learned that. Yeah. I'm so. on a roll. Stop it. Yep. No add-ins. Absolutely. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> we, we've been married for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we go to Cracker concerts together. It's where we met. <laughs> I love live music. It's, it's not a chore to get me to go to a concert at all. Super into it. <laughs> so, Lex, you talked about being kind. You, th you, you talked about, uh, you know, welcoming. Um, we do a call to action every uh, uh, every episode. And we, we spoke behind the curtain. We spoke before we, we went on the air. Um your call to action involves pet adoption because that's uh, something that you're a, a huge believer in. Same with me. I, I, uh, I am not an animal person. Anyone that knows me knows this is no secret whatsoever. I, uh, I have two ragdoll cats uh, that were that I adopted. One's five, one's six. I just got them a few months ago. One lived in my walls of my house for two months. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of being an active member of this of, of my of my family. So but now he's out. Uh it's Snickers and Princess Elsa. Um and you're an uh, animal person now, Johnny. Don't lie. If that were true, he'd scoop their poop himself. He has one of those robot pooper scoopers. I do have a robot pooper. Very oh, Lord. Yeah. Dude. So, but uh, every night, at least one of the two cats, if not both, walk me to my bed, and they they they, <laughs> they jump up to give me a kiss goodnight, and then go and then, and then play like very loudly for the next two three hours, <laughs> and then in the morning I am woken up by a kiss by one of the two, and then the other one is is bobbing weaving through my through my feet as I so it's I did not ask for these I I got like a my I, I was hornswoggled, Lex. My my mom, you know what? Like, uh, 
My mom goes, the I'm uni- adopted. Go ahead. The, I was gonna, the universe knew that yeah. you needed, you know, animals. I'm convinced that animals make us better people. They, Absolutely. you know, it's, they make us more affectionate. They make us, they, they show us by example, what, what, it, what unconditional love is. Um, and excited about everything. Well, yes, it's, it's the universe knew that your quality of life was going to go up exponentially if you had critters. And I guarantee you that those two cats are just the gateway drugs to more animals no, in your future. No, no, no. Oh, I, I'll, I'll bet you, <laughs> bet you a million dollars right now, buddy. I, we, it's gonna, you, it's gonna happen. You and I are a million dollar challenges. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now I, I was tricked. My my mom was like, "I'm I'm adopting these two cats." I'm like, "Great!" And I was like, "When are you picking them up?" She's like, "On Wednesday." And then I was like, "Okay, you know." And and this is when I had the whole court thing going on, and so you know, my mind was just not not there at all. And so anyway, so we picked them up, and she goes, well, "You know, well, you know, you have both girls. Like, you know, I have split custody, and and I had both girls at that time at my house." And she's like, well, "Let's just stop by uh, your house." And I was like, "Okay," and. And it, it's it's moments after I'm in the house that this all clicks together. I'm like motherfucker. So because the <laughs> girls are just like, like uh, Mimi, these are going to your house, and she goes, well, unless your dad wants to keep them here. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I've been doing <laughs> it. Just waterworks. Dad, got, we gotta keep them. <laughs> you got flim flammed big well, time. They don't shed, so I don't know what he's crying about. Yeah, they're ragdoll cats. They don't shed. So uh, you know what? Oh my god, just just. Let it wash over you, and you're you're just gonna love them all more and more each each day, each month. They like me a lot. Come on, they animals like, well, are. What sucks is, I mean, I have a four year old and a thirteen year old. You would think they got two cats. No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> How did that work out? <sighs> well, yeah, but like about this, dads who did not want pets. I bet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking it up. I, that's the help I, I need. <laughs> I'm the guy that I've, I've never known life without, well, dogs. I've had dogs since I was born. I think I'm in my, in my 58 years, there were two years I didn't have a dog and that was during college. Um, but I've had, I've had animals and, and I've, when I met my wife, she's a cat person. So she naturally brought her love of cats. And at one point we had three of each, we had three dogs, three cats. Um, we typically get larger dogs. Like we've had a couple of dogs that were 150 pounds and change. Um, right now we've got two dogs and a cat. Um, but I'm a huge, huge fan as, as you kind of alluded to Johnny, I'm a huge fan of rescue animals. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I throw, I throw a lot of side eye at people that get purebreds. Same. Matt Bischoff. (laughs) I love you, Matt. (laughs) I love you, Matt. But, um, I, I throw side eye at breeders. I get salty with people that breed animals. My sister is a dog breeder, and and we just don't talk about that around like Thanksgiving or Christ, you know, a Christmas table because it's it always results in in shouting from me and tears from her. But here's the thing: there is no re- we there are millions and millions of dogs and cats that are being euthanized every year um, because uh, a we we have a long way to go, but we've got to we've got to start really becoming a society that's 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 more aware of like the importance of spaying and neutering but also there are millions of animals that they want nothing more than to give their hearts and their souls mm-hmm. to people but maybe they're not they're not a specific kind of breed um you know it's not their fault but they have just as much heart and love to give as everyone else but they're they are being systematically 
um, euthanized because there aren't enough homes or people to adopt them. And so, well, A, I want, I I would love if, if, if y'all have, you know, something that you can share if you, if, if uh, I know that everyone out there is generous of heart, but if you could help an organization, um, any organization, I would say, I'd recommend you um, consider going to the, uh, to ASPCA.org, the American uh, SPCA. Um, They're a great place to start. Uh, Virtually every local, your local area will have your own SPCA. If you want to help your SPCA, you can donate to them. Um, You can go to the SPCA in your area and bring bags of dog and cat food, blankets, towels, beds, crates, that would help as well. A lot of them also um, welcome people, volunteers to walk yep. their dogs. Um, and and, and if, if, you, if you have, if you're, if, if, if you're somebody that has a space in your home and heart for an animal and, and you'll be a responsible owner, I totally encourage y'all to, uh, to adopt a dog or a cat or and a cat. Um, and also check out all the other local rescue shelters especially if they're, if, you know, I love a no-kill shelter, but some of these shelters have no choice and they have to, you know, they, they are kill shelters because they don't have the space or the resources. Those are the ones that especially need your help um, in adopting these animals. So that's my, you know, my, 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 uh, my challenge to you is, is to do, is to do that. Help, help your local shelter. And God, I mean, the world, I, I, again, I think the world would be a much better place if, we, if everyone had dogs, had, had a dog or a cat. Um, that makes you a better person. It just, it just works that way. And if you're like me and you live in an apartment that you can't have animals in, um, I found out recently our local cancer support association, they have volunteers who walk dogs for people going yep. to chemo and radiation who can't get out and do that. And if you don't have a association like that near you, I bet if you just put it out there, word of mouth, like, Hey, I would just love to walk someone's dog who can't do it themselves. I bet friends or someone in your network could find you someone totally yeah someone knows something someone so. someone does someone always knows something yeah and and p- people would love to have a part-time dog there is there there's a definite opportunity there guys out there going johnny on, the, only johnny would figure out a way to monetize the, the love of a pet now he's going to start his own pet rental you know through are you getting a lot out for everybody yeah is this going to be fair place pet rental service well, I only have. I mean, if, if you want to walk uh, Princess Elsa and Snickers, feel free. But I don't think we're gonna like it. <laughs> they are a great way, though, to meet people. If you don't like having to introduce yourself, having a dog, man, people oh, does yeah. the work for you. Absolutely. So, I'll tell you yeah. what for sure. There yeah. we go. Now, isn't there? There's another. There's another aspect of y'all's podcast where we. Where I throw out a challenge, is that right? Yes. Yes. Give everyone a challenge called uh, okay. yeah, something they should do. And and this is and, and this is this is a challenge um, so that everyone out there can kind of um, can experience something new and 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 yeah. enhance the quality of their own life, right? Yeah, it's just like this. Okay. Yes. So uh, my challenge to everyone out there who's listening um, is um, because music is so important in my life. Um, there are squillions of phenomenal bands out there that y'all have never heard of. So my challenge to you is for the next week, um, listen to a new band that you've never heard of before or heard before one new band every day for the next week. 
In a week, Ooh. you'll have seven new bands, yes. and um, and maybe one or two of those new bands might be your new favorite band. Um, and if you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna prescribe what the genre should be, but mm. let's I'm gonna double up on the challenge and say at least one or two of those bands, I challenge you to listen to uh, a couple of indie bands, bands that are not signed to major labels, that people haven't really heard of. You can find these bands in a million different ways. I mean, Google is your friend, so have at it. Um, that's my challenge to you. Uh, educate yourself on, on some new music. I love Amazing it. Amazing challenge. Try, try partner. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So it's, that's, that's easy. If you want to, if you want to throw one of, one of the new ones this week, partner, um, you can find them on, I think they've got, they've got a band camp. Bandcamp, um, yeah. so just look up partner band and band camp. Um, and then the other one, if you want to check out, uh, my band, the maids of honor, um, you know what? I'm going to try right now. Um, bear with me, guys. I am going to Google to see yeah, if I can tell you. Okay. I can tell you what our SoundCloud is. Okay, so the Maids of Honor. If you just if you go to SoundCloud.com uh, forward slash the Maids of Honor, you'll find all of our songs on there, and um, and you can download. Download all of them for free um, and check some check some new stuff out. So there you go. That's, that's two out of the seven. So you only yeah. have five left. Yeah. And, and don't feel obligated to check out my band or my boy's band, but that's just, that's a cheat. If, if you want a head start, that's a cheat. There you go. Cut down on decision fatigue. And doing new things is hard. So after you listen to a new song, like really congratulate yourself because new things are hard. It, it it all goes back to how how this all came together. Kendall, yeah. you have a you have a a blog. Try new things. Co. So close. Try one thing. Co. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, She's setting a, the bar. Her bar is realistic. Yours is like tr try all the new things. No, no. I have a browser history, so I, I don't I, I don't have to try to remember one thing. That's true. <laughs> Save up the hard drive in your mind. No, yeah. I'm all about. Look for me. New things is very high cost. So yeah. I try and keep it simple so that I can succeed. You get to set your own bar. All right. Try one thing.co. Yeah. Go. So if you want my version of the challenge, it's listen to one new band this week. So there's a spectrum. <laughs> spectrum from Kendall's challenge to Lex's challenge. <laughs> However you do it, tag one of us in it and we'll be very, very happy for you. Yeah. Trying new things is hard. Tag, tag us. Uh, uh, Lex is at waiting for zombies on Instagram and at Lex Vandenberg on Twitter and then Lex Vandenberg on Facebook. And uh, yeah, so uh, go do these things, donate to your local or, or national uh, uh, SPCA or ASPCA.org mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, tag us. We will, yeah. we will retweet and re re plug, plug away. We love it. Uh, I'll reply with emojis. Oh, there you go. I will too. Great. All right, well, there we go. You get, you this get is a binding contract. Yes. So speaking, <laughs> speak speaking of legalese, we're not a doctor. We're not your doctor. This isn't medical advice. We're just a bunch of assholes with opinions. So take it as such. There you go. <laughs> and until next time. Lex, he's kind. Yes. <laughs> yes. Lex, thank you. Thank you so much. This was <laughs> Thank great. you guys, Kendall, Johnny. Thank you so much. And everyone out there, love you all. Um, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. It's a great time. Rock on. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, click that subscribe button. Help in SFW. Yep. And uh, check the links. Uh, help 
NSFW.com, the audio version, and YouTube.com slash RealityNSFW. There's a whole subsection for Help NSFW there. Go check out our previous podcast, rate us five stars. Do all the do all the kind, fun stuff you should do. Right. And until next time, we'll see you next week. Yeah. That's see Kendall. Ya. I'm Johnny. That's Lex. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>